All right, folks, welcome back to another episode. My name is Captain Ben, Tim Murphy over here. Hello, and we have... <laughs> there's Paul, he's joining us from his Zoom call. Right there. That's Paul joining us from Zoom. Paul, can you hear me? I don't think he can hear us. Okay. Uh, he probably didn't enable his microphone. That's the problem. Probably, probably why. Yeah. So, yeah. anyhow, that's what we're working with. Oh, no, you're going to drop Paul. What's the yeah, matter? My bad. My bad. I'm sorry, Paul. Okay. So, Ben, how the hell are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. I um, I did the uh, K1 Drift Night not too long ago. And that is the one in Miami or the one in Broward, Fort Lauderdale? So every every so often, K one. I think it's like every three months. Uh, I could be wrong. You got you just basically got to go on the website, the K one Speed website, and they have the dates outline of where pretty much the majority of their locations they host a drift night event, where okay. basically they put some put like this slide on like this PVC plastic, type of plastic okay. on the wheels and then you gotta get sideways with the carts the front and the rear or just the rear just the rear oh, okay yeah and it's it takes a little bit getting used to it you kind of get it you gotta get familiar with the limitations biggest one of all is the lack of a steering angle yeah okay yeah you can't um, can't really get away with I mean, if they could come up with some sort of like a wise fab kit or an SLR kit for so, it, so that'd let, be incredible. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you, is it the lack of angle because of the, 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 because this doesn't have like a regular steering rack, right? So are they bottoming, are, are the wheels almost touching the chassis or is it just because they don't, they're not, there's stoppers or something on the spindles? Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I usually don't care to pay attention to those things. So you're asking the wrong person. But I <laughs> will say that if I recall correctly, it does seem like it just the wheels kind of touch the chassis oh, okay. where you can't really go any much further. Right. So you kind of have to re-engineer no. the, the setup, the steering setup, like how everything is all uh, connected. Just to be able to accomplish like a, a higher degree of angle, but maybe if you just space the wheels out further, and if there wasn't stoppers, then you can. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. If, if there wasn't any stoppers, then that would give you a little more uh, angle. And if there was stoppers, you could probably trim those stoppers. Oh, sorry, you could trim those stoppers. Maybe. Hmm. Again, I'm not. When it comes down to those things, I'm not really paying attention to that. I guess I'll have to. Yeah, you, you have take, to. I have to come by. I have to come by. Yeah. Um, but I, what I like to do is just kind of like just focus on the driving. Focus. Just focus, focus. Well, that's and good. once I'm there, then it's just. But at the same time, I kind of feel bad for a lot of the other people. So they have a thing, too, is that they know how much of a struggle it is, mm-hmm. the, the staff. So yeah. they will intentionally not give you full power. Oh, and, for, yeah, okay, for the and, people that... And, and it's know. because the majority of the people just can't kind of figure it out mm. on, on what you need to do to kind of get the cart sideways successfully mm-hmm. without going into every turn spinning out. Okay. And the thing is, is that it's sort of counter... It's sort of working against you because you do need the power to kind of help you right. get through some of the turns. Right, because so, otherwise you just come out of the drift. You, like, drift a little bit and come out, right? Yeah, exactly. And at the same time, it's like you 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 have this like mental thing where you you want to give it more mm-hmm. just to be able to do more. Right. But because they're not giving you more, 
then you kind of go to the extent of doing these extra elaborate uh, movements just right. to try to hmm. get it to do more. And in the end, you kind of cause yourself to kind of mess up. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Next time you go, if I don't make it, take a picture of the steering in the front. Like yeah. Just like take it like from the top down, just kind of take a picture with the front wheels and all the way across the front. Hey, what were you thinking of? Um, just to of, see. I just want to see what it looks you like. You want to like draw it out like Paul? You know what you could do? You could just draw out Paul mm-hmm. working on the diagram of the front ah, okay. and then you could submit it to hmm. them, to K1. That's a good idea. And then maybe they might consider uh, Paul their uh, chief engineer. Hmm. He looks like an engineer. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. He looks like what an engineer would do. Yeah. Like kind of just like hold your head and be like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, um, there's been uh, that going on, and and I think, um, and also another thing, just uh, kind of wanting to highlight and and, and mention based on uh, some of the uh, I guess other events that I've been catching up on mm-hmm. is that uh, for many of you folks that may not know, we do offer live streams. Uh, I think it's something that maybe miss, you know it's not really well known, mm-hmm. but we we offer a comprehensive set of packages. From oh, yeah. the carry-on to the check-in to the full-blown road trip, ro- over-the-top uh, road trip. That's like the biggest package yes. of them all that we mm-hmm. have to offer. Yeah. So if anybody interested in allowing drift sessions to elevate or to uh, fulfill your live stream ambish- ambitions, mm. talk to us. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just... Wait, wait, let me correct that. Live streaming... Drift events. Yes. Not other things. Yes. Some people have some imagination out there, so you have to be careful. Uh, well, that's true, too. Yeah, they didn't think about that. Yeah. I not mean, weddings, not parties. Maybe, you know, other motorsports or events, if it's a car show or something like that, maybe. Can you do... Have you thought about considering doing play-by-play of a wedding? That would be fun. Think the, about it. You'd really... Well... Think, <laughs> think about it. Yeah. I don't know if you'd want to do that. I you know it, what it, something if if the individual or uh, if the couple were maybe like huge sports fans, yeah, I could see that they they would probably enjoy somebody doing a play by play commentary mm-hmm. on their uh, wedding and how it's going out. So Geico did a commercial. Have you seen the new Geico commercial? Which one? The one with the neighbors that are like play by play announcers. No, I haven't. So it, it, it that you brought that up kind of makes me think of that because it's like this couple's talking about you know they moved in or whatever, and every time they make a comment, the neighbors are standing with the fence, you know, on the other side of the fence with yeah. the you know their suits on and their microphones. Yeah. And every time they do something, they're commenting on what they're doing. So <laughs> kind of like that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it uh, it'd be an interesting interesting industry to tap into. I mean, because you already have them just spending thousands and thousands of dollars on just the whole uh, extravagance of it all. Yeah, a lot of money. It's a lot of money. money, So why not have play-by-play live stream for the family and friends that couldn't make it? Yeah, Hmm. exactly. Think because you have do live interviews. Yes, live interviews would work. Hmm. Um, And then uh, what else could work? Maybe we're missing our calling, Ben. We should be. Marketing towards live streaming weddings and doing commentary <laughs> and live interviews. Yeah, I could see hmm. that. Hmm. See, uh, asked uh, the bride and the groom is like, so how'd it go? Yeah, so we're here with the bride now. And uh, <laughs> do you regret your decision? 
Because we go, oh, no, we can't dance now. <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, back on topic. So you're at K1 and you're drifting. Do you guys, do you, is, is it like a competition or are you guys just having fun? No, it's, it's, it's all fun. We're just, uh, it's sort of one of those things where we're at a point like me and the group that uh, I'm with is that we're trying to sort of um, figure out how to basically tandem with one another mm-hmm. cleanly, I guess you can say, uh, reliably or consistently. Right. And get close and try to have like actual tandems. Yeah. And and the, the struggle is sort of taking everything into account. The lim- limitations are some of the limitations already outlined with the carts and then applying that into a tandem scenario mm-hmm. because at least you can get away like if you mess up like one of the ways you get um, mess up and kind of recover from it mm-hmm. in, in one of those carts is that um you just sort of like let it coast so you don't apply any brake you don't apply any gas you mm-hmm. just sort of let it coast and kind of like find its way back from spinning out right because you're basically right at the limit right if you put yourself in, the, in this situation right. and then you sort of like you have no choice mm-hmm. because you could just mess up. Hmm. I mean, it's been out, but that's that's one way. But then taking into account, like, well, what line are we going to take? Because mm-hmm. sometimes uh, what I'll do is just I'll go, like, really wide and trying to hit, like, some of the outer zones when mm-hmm. it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. But then I guess it's sort of trying to put yourself in a, in a situation where, like, you're predictable, too, for the other person. And at the same time, too, then one of the biggest problems is the carts itself because mm-hmm. they'll be different. So it's not the same cart every time you go into it. Wow. So when you go into a cart uh, or you do a session, it's six minutes and they assign you a random cart. Mm-hmm. And every time it, it'll be different. So sometimes the carts will be um, great, phenomenal. Like everything will be just be dialed in. Like you'll, you'll feel like the steering is mm-hmm. good, uh, brakes, gas, all of that power. But then there's some carts, like one of the carts, for instance, that it was just shaking violently. Like... It, it's it's poor maintenance. Yeah, amongst many things, but it's just shake. It just shook so violently that you're like, uh, no, I don't. I don't want to be a part of that. Hmm. Uh, there was another cart that had no brakes whatsoever. I mean, do they check these things before they put people in them? No. <laughs> okay. they, they they don't they don't necess- they don't necessarily do like a thorough inspection. Well, to you break don't have down. to do a thorough. Do the brakes work? Like they pull them up, don't they? They do, but it's not like they. They pull them forward at speed. They'll either just like push the cart like physically, or they'll just yeah. They so, usually so just they, they need some better employees. It sounds like I don't know. I I I, I don't I don't want to. I don't want to speak ill of them because mm-hmm. we we get some perks. Okay, from going over to these places. Like okay. for instance, we I don't want to highlight. Some of the perks, but well, we get perks, okay. and, and uh, I want to—I don't want to lose privileges. Ah, because okay. it's uh, your drift it, privilege. Yeah, <laughs> 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 well, yeah, I—I I, I don't, but it's—it's it's a lot of fun. Um, it, it gets—it gets—it does get a little crazy, a little hairy at times, but it's it, good. It does sound like fun. I mean, every time you talk about it, I wish I made it. One of these days, I will. Yeah. So, how many guys go? Uh, it's. Originally, it was going to be five and ended up being four. Luckily, it was four because they said that it's four people per session Ah, because they put a limit. Right. Because, again, safety concerns. They don't. Since you're going to be. um, um, 
spinning mm. out, doing all that. So they want to be careful, obviously. Mm. I get it. Yeah. I mean, because when you're sitting on the side waiting for your turn, mm-hmm. you realize, like, yeah, I can see why they cut down the power. Yeah. I talked to Juan Hayno today. Oh, okay. His AC was having problems. Ah. So, but I, th- I think it, it, it worked its way out. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's up with you with the car? So, the car is doing pretty well. I had to, um, I had like a, uh, I guess it's called a swirl pot or anyways, like, I'm not running a water pump, right? So I'm, I'm not running a mechanical water pump. I'm wearing an electric water pump with the radiator in the trunk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to do the water pump delete with an AN fitting in the front and for the inlet and then come with water coming out of the motor. Um, I had a couple different choices. A lot of them were expensive, like just for the, the, um, the outlet piece that's from um, Rad Dan. To, to convert to when when the water comes out convert to an A and fitting it was like three hundred fifty dollars. Whoa there! Yeah, I thought that was a little sorry, a little extreme. Mm-hmm. So um, I had some uh, water necks, so I basically cut the water neck to a point where I basically had a flange, and then I got some tubing, and then I got a um, like an uh, a um, oh, I can't think of the name, but it basically like a has a radiator capsule. Um, oh. I can't even think of it, but it's so like the radiator fluid. So it has a radiator cap on it. It's like a little luck. Uh, and um, basically we made a swirl pot out of it. I don't know. I can't think of the term right now. Okay. But um, so I took it, uh, mocked it all up and I had Chris weld the flange to it. Um, so I could basically uh, have a way to bleed the engine mm-hmm. and um, make my end connection. So he did a good job welding it, except for on the part where the flange goes to the motor. He welded it from the inside. And then he kind of like um, poured it. It had like had to grind it out a little bit, or whatever, to make sure it was you know it was getting the same volume. And when he did that, I think he did a little too much, so it was leaking on the seam. Oh, great! So I had to fix that. So I fixed that um, this week, and I was able to redo the dash and get all everything in there, redo some of the wiring, put the dash back on, so that way I can access. So basically, doing a lot of little stuff. I got the jack because I have. Have like an electric jack. It's kind of like the um, the budget setup for automatic jack uh, system. It's mm. basically an uh, upside down electric scissor jack that's that's mounted to the back of the car. So I just put a block underneath, and I can. So I, I got that working today. Um, really, now that you know, I got the water thing fixed, that was the main thing. So I got another tune. I kind of tweaked the tune. So I'm gonna drop the tune in probably tomorrow or Sunday. Start it up. See how it runs. If it idles better than it did before, I'm gonna put the car on the ground. And then um, I got a couple things for sale. Hopefully, I could sell them, and then I can get um, I can order my 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 rear window and my side windows and stuff, and then take it over, you know, take it around the block, start checking out. So hopefully soon, it'll be um, at this first event. Uh, talking about windows and uh, your car, uh-huh. um, I did notice from the the last time we spoke, mm-hmm. people were pretty receptive to the uh, mini split and cassette idea. Yeah, that was interesting. We were talking about that, like how like we do a lot of shorts and you, you don't realize or it doesn't make sense why one does better than the other. But yeah, putting a mini split in apparently is a popular idea. Mm. But um, Nick from Spark, um, Spark Speed Shop, he said that his car is available for testing, but we're gonna, I'm obviously going to test on my car first. <laughs> I have a couple ideas. I've been like mulling over this okay. idea and figuring a way that you can make a budget-friendly, um, removable AC system. Oh, 
that you can just power with 12 volts. Basically, it wouldn't necessarily cool the whole car, but something that maybe, I don't know, I'm working on some ideas. Okay. So I'm going to come up with like like a bobo idea, try it out on the car, see how it works. And if it works good, you never know. Maybe that maybe that's a, you know, a removable race car air conditioning that you could just mount to the driver's seat or something. And then that way, like if, if you know, when you're doing practice days, you just basically mount it to the back of the seat and it cools you down. And then, you know, if you can't run it or whatever, you just take you just take it out. So most house promising. Keep us posted on that. Yeah, please. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I got a lot of other stuff to do. But for the most part, the car is almost ready. It's almost hmm. ready to um go to the dyno. That's good. Yeah, that's good. yeah. So that's exciting. Um uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up and mention is that um LS Fest is it's right around the corner. It is. Um been doing a lot of work uh, behind the scenes, kind of uh getting ready for it, kind of just doing a lot of prep work for the event. Uh, one of the things is um questionnaire for any drivers that are looking to attend that's going to be posted up pretty soon the yeah. questionnaire so what that way we, we start getting uh, the information from from the drivers because we're going to definitely going to need that uh for the event itself and do we have a driver's list yet no we don't okay yeah and so I, I, one of the things that before what we would do is that when we would publish the questionnaire then we kind of would get a sense as to like what kind of drivers would be showing up and who uh, who we expect two people that I would expect to be there that uh, I kind of hope we get uh, some interviews with is uh, Dirk Strand and Jonathan Aaron yeah okay um, Dirk Strand being the number one qualifier last year okay and kind of seeing how uh, what his uh, plan of attack is for this mm-hmm. time around maybe uh, we'll see Tyler Berry again yeah Tyler Berry Cole Richards. Uh, Cole. <laughs> um, and then Jonathan Aaron, who was mm-hmm. uh, last yeah. year's winner. So yeah. let's see how um, I'm curious with that. I think, and then I think the other um, thing to kind of try to take notice for the event is who do we kind of, and this is something we'll need to figure out like during mm-hmm. practice at that time is like, who do we foresee being a like promising or upcoming uh driver to watch okay. like for instance uh cole richards for us like aside from his name kind of stood out in yeah. a way based yeah. on how, how young he was and how mm-hmm. aggressive he was driving and the yeah. and the car that he was driving and we're like wow this guy this guy stood out and then fast forward to not too long ago this year he won an event yeah yeah so there's um that's something that we'll we'll need to kind of like pay attention to and see exactly yeah. who's gonna. You know, and who's the gentleman that crashed really bad? Remember? And he put like his car was in the pits. The BMW, right? The BMW. Yeah, I forget. Who, I forget his name. I think it's well, it was Gavin Treat. I think. I think you're right. It might have been. I think so. Something, that was about pretty like bad. Um, he screwed that car pretty bad. Yeah. Hmm. We'd have to. I kind of. I got to check up on his social media to see if he's. Um, like if he got it fixed or if he's went with a different platform or something. Right, right. Hmm. So there's that. Um, now, one of the other things, judging. I wanted to mention judging and and kind of, I got into this conversation with this uh, prolific individual in prolific. the, yes, prolific individual in the, in the drift scene. And the, the whole, the topic centered around uh, putting forth limitations or kind of narrowing down the judging criteria 
at, at these competitions. Okay. So basically, I, um, I, I don't want to specify things. I don't want to kind of like name any names, but basically, when you're case in point, if there's a straight mm-hmm. Sebring, I guess uh, I'll bring that out. I'll bring that up. Or no, I'm sorry, PBIR. Right? Okay. The PBIR, you have a long straight right. into this very wide and long uh, turn, right turn, which yeah. is a turn known as turn 10. Yeah. And you can sort of attack it in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. You could do sort of like a manji flick where you kind of, you know, transfer weight to the right and then to, to the, the left. left and to the right and, or, or, yeah. yeah. And, and we've seen instances before where, for instance, at Clutch Shakers, there was, um, um, can't remember, uh, Keone Rodriguez. Okay. Right? Where he his style, and, and this was like a consistent throughout his, all of his runs, mm-hmm. is that going up to the straight, he would do these aggressive yeah. like flicks from right. left to right. And it got to a point where like, I don't know exactly, but basically a lot of people got frustrated by it, I guess. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I not. could see why. So my, my takeaway from it was that if I were a judge in one of these events, I would go ahead and institute, um, I guess a criteria basically stating that you can't, um, cause some of them, Put forth a criteria where it's like you get the maximum movements you could do is two, mm-hmm. but then I would actually go to the extent of just saying, "Well, you can't do more than two. You have mm-hmm. to just stick with one, and the one would be just the initiation." Okay. And the person that I was arguing with <clears throat> brought up a good point, stating a counterpoint, stating that by putting uh, extreme limits on the judging criteria, you take away the style from. Um, from drifting so then i guess i was sort of like on the fence about it It was like yeah i I could see i could see my side and i could see understand their side oh you were being understanding that day yeah i I was (laughs) trying i was trying to be because yeah i guess see i because i i understand like the style of it but then at the same time i i'm coming from it as from a spectator being frustrated at watching some of these things uh, unfold and so I just like for me, it's like I need I would prefer to just be narrowed down mm-hmm. so that way then not only does it become um, sort of uh, more narrow, mm-hmm. but at the same time, uh, I guess you could say more consistent, I guess. What okay. are your thoughts? <laughs> OK, so I actually agree with you on this. Oh, hey, <laughs> I actually agree with you on this. And I actually think that one um, I don't think style plays in a judging criteria as much as it used to. Okay. Um, but I don't think manjing an entry is a style. Honestly, I think it's it's um, it's almost like cheating because it's easier to manji enter than it is to just run up and single motion enter. Okay. Because when you're when you're when you're manji entry, honestly, I think it's cop out. And you know, it, you know where I really I think thought this was something that was ridiculous and people were losing their minds. When we did the um, the Orlando car track, okay, and there was a driver and they were like manging the whole straight and people were like, oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> sick. I'm like, they're, it, it's, it's not. It's really not. They're manging the whole straight. Yeah. That's not sick. Like, oh my gosh. Like they're losing their, they're losing their minds. I'm like, that, 
is ridiculous because that's easy. You can, anybody could just floor it out the gate and just manji down the straight and enter. It's not. I think it's a cop out. I think it's. I, I think you're. I think, in my opinion, it takes more talent to just attack an initiation. Now, I'm not saying that you can't flick it, but I'm talking about you know there's a difference between using um, inertia to initiate the drift than actually breaking traction one way and then throwing it in the other way. Mm-hmm. I think breaking traction one way and throwing it in the other way, I don't think that should be allowed. I think they should have to go and they should attack one motion. Now they can go in and, and use inertia to break, you know, to, to throw the car sideways, but I actually agree with you. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, how much, I mean, are you gaining that much? If style, if if a manji entry, enter, or entering manji, doing a manji entry, Gave you that much style points, then everybody would be doing it. True. But you know it's not everybody's doing it. Right. And, and a lot of the people that win, they're not doing it. So, one, it slows you down. It slows down your entry speed. So, I think, I agree with you. I think, I think in competition drifting. Now, if you're just having fun with the guys and you're doing all other stuff, then I think it's, it's fine. Because I think it's, one, your... I mean, you're kind of making it a little more difficult for the guy in behind you know, behind you, right? To time your your dumb little manji that you want to do. Because <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't think I don't think you should be doing a manji entry. Entry. All right. I think you should just one motion entry. So I agree with you there because if you're doing a manji, the guy following you can't really manji with you. I mean, I guess he could, right? But it's not going to. It's he's not going to be able to enter on your door like he would. It's almost like it's almost like cheating in a way. If from the lead position. Well, I, I first I I could see how the person in the chase position could manji, but that's only if they know ahead of time. Right. So, like for instance, when you see like team tandems happening take place, that's they sort know, of like right. an, they a, know they know ahead of time. So I mean that goes down to your spotter, right? Your spotter say, okay, this guy always manji enters, enters. Now it's one thing, like. Okay, I'll give it if this if there's a certain driver that's just always how they enter, and the, the chase driver can kind of like okay, I know he's going to do this, so you can kind of plan for it. But honestly, I think a manji enter a manji entry, um, I don't think they should be doing that. I think they should have to. I agree with you. I think it should be one motion entry in a competition setting. Right. So yeah, and and the other part where I come from it is that we've we've been privileged to sort of be like behind the scenes and kind of either during the driver's meeting or be right alongside the judges and mm-hmm. kind of get it like an ear on, on like some of the things that are happening in the background. Right. And like for me, uh, the, the other sort of motivation towards sort of like limiting a lot of these things is sort of hearing all of this uh, like back and forth that goes on sometimes mm-hmm. between the judges or the spotters yeah. or, or the drivers. And it's sort of like, well, if you take away or, or you kind of limit a lot of the things that are kind of uh, open to interpretation, mm-hmm. then you kind of take away a lot of the sort of debates that take place in regards to maybe a protest that, that, uh, that unfold because, well, um, this person entered this way and, and messed up this other person. You know what I mean? Like all these yeah. arguments that could arise. <clears throat> well, like style. Style is a subjective Right. Criteria. That's why I don't think style should play any part in the role of competition drifting because what if I say my style is shallow angle? <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if my style is shallow angle, why should I get penalized for my style? 
you're you're not penalizing you're penalize people for if you're using style as a criteria you're penalizing them because they're not doing it the way you want them to do it so right. then whose style is it the style that you want them to do or their own style so style should not be it should be not be a judge criteria because at the end of the day what's the ultimate goal be on the right line have good speed and a lot of angle there's most angles you possibly can right and good flow throughout really like if they're like speeding transitioning yeah. right so but that can be said in the driver's me okay we want snappy transitions or we want smooth transitions so maybe a smooth transition means it's a little slower right that can be communicated by the judges but if you're judging somebody based on how much angle how fast they're going and if they're hitting the line so you're basically telling everybody they need to drift the same style hmm. so how can you even judge style you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. So style, I think, is no. I, I disagree with that. I think that. Well, you 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 hit it when um, when you said like, well, whose style is it? Right. Because if the driver has a certain style, but then the judge has their own style that they're like. Manji entry for. is just insane. That's the the best style ever. You know, Manji <laughs> all the way down the straight and enter at thirty miles an hour. That's yeah. much better than you know going seventy or eighty. Hmm. But then let me ask you this, and this is sort of uh, another question that arose during that whole discussion is that if let's say, for instance, um, and I'm kind of like flipping the script a bit because Ooh. it was a it was a bit of a flip it, like it, it was a different a question uh, when I was having the discussion with them. But let's say, for instance, you're the driver, you're at the driver's meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm the judge. And I say, hey, I want a Manji entry like I. I the judging criteria that I'm setting forth is minimum two movements. Well, the, same, the, the same track. Would fine. you adhere to it or would you try to argue against it? No, I would adhere to it. If that's, a, if that's what the judges want, then I already know everybody's going to be doing it. Okay. And that's what the judges want. So that's what they're looking for. You give the judges what they want because you want to score high, right? The judges say we're looking for snappy transitions. You know, we're looking to initiate to angle and maintain angle, like a lot of times they do. And if they say, hey, listen, we want a two-motion entry, then you give them a two-motion entry, whether I like it or not, or I think it's it's um, uh, my opinion, whether it's a better way to enter or not, doesn't matter, because that's what the judges want. So you give the judges what they're looking for. So I wouldn't argue with that, because they're telling everybody out front. So right away, you know, everybody's going to manji entry, everybody's going to mon- enter doing a manji so then you can plan for it hmm okay all right good 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 yeah because uh, again it, it got um there was a lot of difference of opinions in the in the, the discussion that i had well yeah i, I don't I, everybody has so there you go that goes back to my point that's subjective right right exactly. so if you're gonna do a sport you gotta take as much of the subjectivity i guess you could say out of the subjectiveness, out of the judging as possible in order to make it um, accurate, if that makes sense. Like, be able to uh, consistently judge something. Yeah. So, like, like for instance, in gymnastics, right? A lot of times what they do is the gymnastic, the, the gymnast will let the judges know, these are the moves I'm going to do, depending on the move, is worth so many points. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they're going to do whatever move. This is a very difficult move, so it's worth so many points. So what they do is they get a bunch of little moves together and throw some big moves in there, and they try to and they try to do those. Each move is worth up to so many points. 
and value, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're telling the judge what you're going to do, and they're going to judge you based on how well you execute those moves. With drifting, it's kind of the other way around because the judges are saying, we want this line, right? And we want you to that's – that's why the driver's means are so important. A lot of times, I think, are underutilized by drivers. I think many drivers – underutilize the driver's mean, which is probably a good thing because then we'd probably be there for hours. But <laughs> I think a lot of people don't ask questions. Uh-huh. And um, and then they do whatever they're going to do, and then they don't understand why they got the results they got. Mm. The ju- Every event that I've ever done, the judges are there for to for you to ask questions on in and out of the driver's meeting. And all those things, all those questions, you need to be, as a driver, if you're really trying to build your program, if you're truly trying to advance your career in drifting, you need to learn to, one, how to communicate what you're thinking, right? And be able to um, effectively communicate that to the judges in order to get that feedback and then take that feedback and don't just don't go one ear out the other, but take that feedback and, and be able to capitalize on that and use that to in order to put forth your best effort in order to win the competition. I think um, with drifting, the judges, every time, for the most part, judges always lay out, this is what we want. This is what we're looking for. If you have any questions. And you know, as well as I do, a lot of people don't ask questions. So, I, I think they uh, focused on the, the meaning aspect of it. And so yeah. they probably were like, oh, I could just zoom into this. Like, yeah, maybe yeah, they yeah. just don't. They don't yeah. they, I don't, so but take I don't see the debate. Like, in my opinion, right, that I think keeping because you're not telling them they can manji in between clipping points. Well, that's my style. I like to manji in between clips. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's a long straight. Right. I'm going to manji a straight. Well, if you fault them for manjiing from clip to clip, why are you allowing the manji from from start to entry? Yeah. Right. If you, you're zero in there. Why are you not going to zero them if they're they're manji? You know what I'm saying? I'm just that's just my opinion. So, but if the judge is looking for that, then the judge can communicate that. But I don't think it should be allowed. So I'm I'm 100 on your side. Cool in competition. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, if you're driving on your own or whatever, then that's fine. But I think I think manji entry is actually like it's I wouldn't say it's cheating, but it's easier. Hmm. Because you kind of throw the car sideways and you kind of can stretch it a little longer or you can come out of that manji a little sooner. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't time the entry right, it's more forgiving. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, that, so yeah. if I'm going down the straight and my, my initiation point's here, if I manji it this way, I can kind of like hold that manji a little longer and I can time it a lot easier than just coming straight at it and attacking it with one swift motion. Mm. That's, that's, what, that's how I feel. Let me ask you this. If, let's say if qualifying, the format of qualifying changes in a matter of what you just outlined with gymnastics. So let's say you have the driver mm-hmm. tell the judge, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to do this kind of run. And the judges will be like, okay, we'll see how well you execute it. Well, in the level of difficulty. Okay, like if I, if I enter, I'm going to enter uh, backwards. Right. Oh, yeah. So they're going to be like, okay, well, the level of difficulty is worth this many points. If you execute, and this is just for qualifying, yeah. if you execute a backwards entry seamlessly, you could max out your points. 
and if you 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 know you do a backwards reverse entry and then hit all your clips and your zones. Now I'm not talking tan. I'm talking we're talking qualifying. Yeah, just qualifying. You think that would work? I mean, it's a it's an idea. Yeah. So you say okay, these are certain ways to attack the course. You know, we want you to drop one tire off every. You know, you drop a tire off, work all the way over the other track, drop another tire, drop a tire, drop a tire. You got to totally fill out the whole course. That might be worth higher points, but you got to let the judges know I'm going to attack the course this way, and they're going to be looking for that. Okay, he's got to drop. He's going to end a reverse, and he's got to drop a tire off every transition. You know, every time he goes sideways, he has to drop one tire off. Something like that. You know, I, yeah, I could actually see that happening. Well, if you think about it, that could actually work. Yeah. Now you know you just got to be minimal, right? And then you judge how if they went way off, they would you know drop two tires and zero. Yeah, if they didn't yeah. drop a tire, then they don't get the points because they say they're going to drop tires here in these spots. Or I'm going to take out, you know, I'm going to touch each clip, right? I'm not going to knock it over. I'm going to touch each clipping point, mm-hmm. or I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to ride the wall, right? I'm not going to smash into the wall. I'm going to ride the wall here. I'm going to ride the wall there. They're being okay. He says he's going to ride the wall here. He's going to ride the wall there. He gets maximum points if he rides the wall with minimum damage, right? With just kind of scraping it. He gets less points if he misses the wall. Mm-hmm. And if he crashes, he gets a zero. It's kind of like a pool. You're calling the shots. Calling your shots. There you go. Exactly. So calling your shots a uh, form of qualifying for drifting. Shot is, callers. Is, is shot, oh. shot callers. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh my oh. gosh. That's Dude. it. It could be That's the it. shot callers drift competition. <laughs> That'd be a way to make single competitions fun, though. Oh, man. That's it. Hmm. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. Shot callers. Now, now the challenge is for, to, for us to convince some uh, drifting organization to allow this to make this a reality. Yeah. We'll see. Wow. Okay. Hmm. All right. Shot callers. Damn. All right. I'm excited. I'm ecstatic. That's, yeah. This is great. Kind of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, um, before we move on, uh, got a question in the chat, which I think it's a good topic. Um, brought to you by DCSA. We'll go with that. Is Clutch Shakers coming back? And I think it's a great question based on the recent news that they actually sold the track. They did Emer- sell the track. Emer- Close, uh, Dragway. Has been sold. Has been sold, yes. I forget. Oh, I remember who it was sold to, but I forget who it was sold to. It, it was, was uh, some insurance auto broker, yes, something, yeah, something like, like that. that. So it's got to be like a car lot, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm now, guessing. will they utilize it as a drag strip and a race course? But so that doesn't necessarily mean Clutch Kickers dies, right? Right. As far as the organization. Uh, I Last I heard um, is that there has been some major changes as far as the inner workings of the staff of Clutch Kickers. But um, I, I really think all that rain, the Freedom Factory, uh, moving to the Freedom Factory, um, one, moving from the Freedom Factory, I think, did more harm than good for the Clutch Kickers as an um, organization. Um, and two, the fact that we had a lot of rain almost to seem like almost every other event mm-hmm. didn't help the season. And uh, I mean, that's a great question. That's still a question that I, I, we can't answer. I know we've heard rumors that there are possibility plans of it coming back, and then I've heard other rumors saying that it's just not going to happen. Mm. Um, but when we do hear something that we're allowed to communicate, you will you will hear it here first. Yeah, That's um, for sure. my my takeaway from it is that 
um, it's not going to come back. It, it's obviously not going to come back the same way how it was. Obviously, right. the one of the core um, aspects of the the series was the Emerald Coast Dragway track. And with that now, unfortunately, out of the picture, um, in what f- shape or form this, I mean, the series or the organization is going to come back uh, to, I have no idea, but I don't expect it to be um, the same as it was before. Um, what they're what are their plans? What they're going to do? Mm-hmm. We have no idea. So it's just, yeah. just a matter of like waiting and seeing what's going to transpire pretty much. Yeah. We are still in contact with a lot of people from Clutch Kickers. Um, so I'm sure if we get some information, we'll be able to share it. But one thing I got to point out is that what made, what made Clutch Kickers what it was it, and, and what I believe was the timing of it. Right. It came out during COVID when everything was shut down. All motorsports were events were shut down. Uh, Formula Drift. Right. All that stuff was shut down and people weren't going to events. Clutch kickers. Um, when they started promoting and what are you looking at? This is a little uh, oh. feather thing. Sorry. <laughs> Get that away. Um, anyhow, clutch kickers. Sorry. The timing of Clutch Kickers, um, I think, was crucial. I think if Clutch Kickers hadn't been around and it came out right now, um, I don't think it would have had the as big of an impact. Because now what Clutch Kickers did is now you have other events that are doing these big payouts. Clutch Kickers was not only did it come out right when COVID um, was going down under all these lockdowns, it was like a, one of the first events that was giving away a lot of money and... I think the first season, like, you didn't need to have, like, it was pretty, um, like, run what you brung. Yeah. Right? It was it was very uh, laxed as far as you didn't need to have a pro car. Right? And you could you, anybody could drive. You didn't need a license. And you can compete for more money than the pro guys are. Right? I don't even think a cage was required. If I, I don't think correctly. it was at first. I know Freedom Factory was. Yeah. but But I think at first it wasn't. So you had... It was like I can go and I can compete for ten thousand dollars, and just bring, you know bring my car and go run. And, and we're talking a track that wasn't like a hundred mile an hour entry, right? So it was very um, newer driver friendly, right? Very rookie friendly as far as the drivers concerned. Mm-hmm. So you can go out there, and then these big name drivers started coming out, and that just started bringing more grassroots drivers out there because like, dude, I want to go drive with Taylor Hole or. Uh, Taylor Ray or Adam LZ, right? I can go out there and I can be in the pits and I can learn from these guys or Alec Honnadale, all these guys going out there brought more hype to the series. Um, but I don't think had clutch kickers come, I think, and this is just, we don't know. It's all speculation, Yeah. but had clutch kickers come out like next year, I don't think it would have the impact it did. Uh, I, I, to some extent I would have to kind of disagree with that. That's fine. I just think that because we had, you could kind of see how well uh, of an old machine it was, how everything kind of flowed very good together. Um, the the drive and the determination and the passion from all of the different aspects of it, from the live stream, from the crew to the personnel to trying to make sure that if there was a fire, obviously we had a couple of fires, uh, you know, take place and they're really trying to, mm-hmm 
quickly get the, uh, the, the, the track back together just to keep the, uh, the show going. Um, I just think that it would have still made it. I think it would have still, if it were to come out next year, it will make an impact because you're, I'm watching some of these other um, events take place and I'm just like, well, this is good, but it's missing these other things here and there that make, like I'm still mentally like comparing it to clutch figures. And, so and that's sort of like, standard. yeah, exactly. That's sort of like the standard that, uh, so if these other guys are kind of like missing some, some of these things, I just think that it wasn't only just the timing that mm-hmm. clutch kickers that it helped them out. I just think also it's just them hitting the marks with all these other different things is why I feel that if they were to come out next year, if, if let's say this year clutch kickers was actually incorporated for the first time right. and they were actually going to announce and say like, Oh, we're coming, we're introducing the 100 K drift series mm-hmm. in 2024. And if they were go into it based on the way how they hit all the marks from the previous seasons, mm-hmm. I think that they will for sure make it uh, still make an impact. See, I don't know. And I think part of where I base my um, opinion on this is due to the fact of the lack of numbers at the Freedom Factory for clutch kickers. Hmm. Okay. Right. So the clutch that. kickers as an organization, it was the same organization. But they didn't get near the turnout they did uh, the two previous seasons. Right. And the first season, remember, they didn't really start. We didn't really start going into the live stream and announcing for them until halfway through the first season. Mm-hmm. They didn't really have much of a live stream before that. Remember? Yeah. Um, so they had some. But yes, because me and you have ran events and we've had to go through the whole process of uh, promoting, organizing and executing an event we could see it in a way that we could appreciate the level of professionalism Mm -hmm. that they were able to execute those events. So going there, you're like, these people got their stuff together. And you don't typically see that from a new event. That's usually something you see over a couple years of running events. You see how people have learned and made mistakes and been able to evolve to make their events better year after year. Clutch kickers kind of just seem like they hit the ground with their, you know, hit the ground running, right? They just, boom, and, and they had it down pack, and they were just like a well-owned machine almost right out of the gate, you know, with not too many years of experience, at least from what I understand. Now, part of that has to go with finding the right people and implement implementing um, uh, an or- the organization implementing and utilizing people for different areas for their expertise and their experience so that way they can... They can say, okay, um, Zach, you're going to handle this, right? Or, or um, Matt, Matt, you're going to handle this and, and, and not try to run everything yourself, right? You kind of like, I want to say subcontract out, but you, you divide and delegate. conquer. You, you kind of you delegate. You don't micromanage, you delegate. Um, and then you just put out the fires along the way. But they had that already figured out. So that, as far as on our end, when we go there and we see how well-oiled and machined they were, it was impressive to us. So I think that's why it impressed us so much. But back to the original thing, as far as do I think Clutch Kickers would have had the same impact, and the reason why I say that is because they lost a lot of the the feel, the Clutch Kickers feel when they went to Freedom Factory. Mm-hmm. You know, I, in my opinion, I think it was a better venue, right? You had bleachers. It was crowd-friendly to oh, yeah. watch. For us, it was closer, right? You had a better facility. Um, you had better production, right, on the live stream side. We had a lot more tools to utilize 
to be able to make the production better, not just for the production crew that for, for us announcing, but also for the judges, you know what I'm saying? It was a more comfortable facility, mm-hmm. but it didn't have the feel as Emerald Coast Dragway. Yeah. You're, you're, you're definitely right on all of those things. And when you brought up the whole turnout, that's something that that's a major component that I, yeah, I definitely missed out on. Plus right. was built on a live stream. Yeah. Because even at even at Emerald Coast Dragway, it wasn't they didn't have thousands and thousands of people showing up. Clutch Kickers was a live stream. Uh, I mean, it proves how much you can do with a live stream, really. Because Clutch Kickers, as world famous as it was, it wasn't world famous because of the people that were going there and watching it live. It was it was it was famous because people were able to watch it live. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like watch I, it on the live stream. Yeah, it makes sense. And 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 then when you take into account where you see uh, some of these other events, the turnout that they bring in, mm-hmm. the thousands and thousands of people that they bring in, and then it's sort of it's kind of like the opposite where you don't even drifting, know what's going on. Well, no, the drifting isn't high level, right? Yes. But somehow the turnout is crazy, like yeah. the, the just astronomical. Yeah, but then you sort of saw the opposite, like you just mentioned with clutch figures, where, mm-hmm. yeah, the the competition and the driving was just top notch, high level, uh, pro. Mm-hmm. I mean, pros versus Joes, all of it. It had it all, but just mm-hmm. it just didn't have. Um, it just wasn't enough, to, I guess, to bring in have people come out to Holt where where it was. And I guess maybe it was because of the location, how far they had more drivers coming to Holt than they did to Freedom Factory. Oh, I agree. Yes. Right? Now, I think people really just love that. It, 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 so that was that was a like that was kind of like the caveat with Emerald Coast Dragway. People were complaining about the same layout every time. It's the same layout every time. You go to Freedom Factory and they're changing the layout, but everybody's complaining about the layout. <laughs> right? So yeah. it was like uh, you know, free, uh, the Emerald Coast was the same layout, but it was a sick layout, right? And they would tweak it. And the fact that it was the same layout and that it was almost the exact same clipping points and then judges, they always try to tweak it a little bit to make it more challenging, Mm -hmm. that I think that made the drivers drive more aggressively. The drivers got more comfortable and it showed in the tandems so that these tight tandems got really exciting. And if there was accidents, it really wasn't at a high speed. So it wasn't, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't except for Matt, Matt Shulman caught on fire, but that wasn't because of an accident. But other than that, um, it was really tight tandem, a lot of smoke, a lot of high revving engines. It was very exciting, right? Um, and I think that's why Emerald Coast Dragway did so well. Plus, they did an impeccable job of maintaining that track. Oh, for sure. Focusing on, on keeping the track consistent for all the drivers. But, um, and you know, it just you see the difference between season two and season three mm-hmm. of Clutch Kickers. And the only thing that changed was the venue. So I really think Clutch Kickers is at home at Emerald Coast Dragway. But um I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't if they if they're gonna come back as strong as they were before, I think it's gonna be at Emerald Coast Dragway or somewhere similar that 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 can provide um a venue that can provide that level of excitement and ability for the drivers to really showcase their tandem abilities mm-hmm. and just kind of go all crazy. So I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Um, 
We got a couple of comments in the chat uh, by Web Travis who writes, Clutch Kickers was a lightning in a bottle. Right time, right place, right team. I agree. If it comes back, it won't, uh, it won't be even remotely the same. Uh, and then he also wrote, Cage was not required for certain models of cars with better crash protection. Uh, not going to name the models. I'm a little behind on the live stream. Oh, okay, cool. Welcome aboard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's that. Um, kind of centered around the, 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 the same subject. Uh, there was a, a post, uh, if I recall correctly, on Lone Star Derp where they highlighted a message talking about somebody asking, oh, how is it that uh, these drivers can afford to drift? Um, and I think drivers as far as like pro drivers, pro amp drivers or just any driver? Was it focus I, don't, on I, don't, any? I don't think they specify, but let's okay. just say like, well, because you... you you kind of understand like pro drivers obviously need to have uh, some sort of like Program, significant yeah. uh, income just to be able to afford all right. of that. But let's say, for instance, somebody that has a pro amateur, I guess you can say somebody okay. that has a, uh, an LS high build power, uh, highly modified vehicle. That's not necessarily shooting to go pro per se. Let's specify highly modified LS because a, a, a base LS isn't giving you much. Like yeah, 350. Yeah, I guess so. We're, 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 we'll, we'll go with that. But I think it sort of brought on the idea, and it was a pretty, a very good discussion. Um, where you had people saying like, "Well, some people are just living with their parents, still living with their parents, and that that's how they're still able to afford how to drift." Or some people are just really scraping by just to be able to uh, get to uh, these events. And then some other, some people too, they're really trying to um, budget and be smart with their finances just to be able to afford uh, the uh, expenses to try to get their car out to the event. So I, I think sort of what it came down to for me as I was thinking about it is that, well, I think a major aspect, the component of it is that you don't want to build a car beyond your means. I mean, they, they, You've heard of the term like don't live beyond your means. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's sort of like what I kept thinking about is like don't build a car beyond your means. Mm -hmm. Meaning that if because you see some people, they go out of their way to build these like crazy sick builds mm -hmm. that have um, 500, 600 horsepower with a mm -hmm. uh, Wisefab angle kit. Right. Um, crazy coilover setup. Mm -hmm. um, 295 uh, with tires in the rear. Obviously just a very expensive build and then yeah. of course that's one major aspect of it but then the other aspect of it that's not really i guess taken into account or maybe considered is the maintenance of it and actually running of it uh from event to event mm -hmm. can i try sure, on go ahead. okay because i got two things that i don't want to forget them okay go ahead i don't want you so so the first thing is when it comes to overbuilding a car Right. Sometimes, you, like you said, people, they'll get like a few months of experience and then they build this ridiculous ride. Now, one thing you got to understand, it, 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 when it comes to funding your passion, whether it be drifting or anything else, it's going to come down to each individual. How bad do you want it? Mm. The reason why I say that is because I know personally individuals that have taken loans out oh. to build their vehicle. And when you when when you when you think about it you're like okay okay this person wants to get this fully modified engine right they have maybe they already have 2 years of experience right maybe this person 
they they started the base car. They got they got their the bugs worked out. You know they got their feet wet as far as drifting and learning how to drift, and now they're just gonna go and build a sick car. Um, when I, when we're talking, it was like, well, I could put you deal parts on a credit card here, parts on a credit card there, and then get that done, pay off those credit cards, and parts on another credit card, parts on another credit card. But if you know, credit cards are usually like 25 or 18 to 25% interest. Yeah. Right? So you're losing money by doing that. Mm-hmm. I actually think this was a very wise decision. This person wants to pursue career and was like, you know what? I'm just going to let me see what I need to, to, to get my car where I want to go. And and be able to drive so many events after the car's completed, I'll take out a loan based on that at like maybe 5%. Okay. And get everything done right away. Instead of getting some parts, paying off the credit card, getting some parts, paying off the credit card, and extending this build over a year, you know, for those people that don't have the money, right? But that person was basically like, how bad do I want it? You know, they want to do it. They know they can't, fund it with what they do on a nine to five, like as quickly as they want to. So they said, okay, what's the best financial way for me to do this? They got out alone. And I think that was a great idea. Other people will just get extra jobs. And I bring this up like Farouk. I know a long time ago I was watching when he was on um, hyperdrive, hyperdrive, they did a background on him and he was working like two or three jobs. I mean, that's all he was doing was working to pay his for tires for everything and then developing his program and doing all these different things. He was working his butt off to make the money to be able to fund his build. So it comes down to how bad do you want it? Okay, so that's the first thing I'm talking about is as far as these drivers, how bad do they want it and what type of resources do they have is going to determine what um, extent they have to uh, go to in order to achieve that goal. So that's one thing. The second thing I wanted, wanted like that came to mind when you were talking is the development of the sim rigs over okay. the last three or four years or five years. However, like, you know, it's really kind of, kind of from compared to like when we were drifting back in County Line way back in the day, mm. the only seat time you had was was actual seat time. Yeah. Now you have um, drivers that are coming in much younger than ever, much younger than ever that I can remember at a higher level at such a and 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 um, progressing so quickly and i think the sim rig has had a lot to do with that because i think a lot of these drivers have been able to get the muscle memory down utilizing the sim rigs and developing basic skills going out and we've seen it many times right i think there wasn't a driver that borrowed um uh Peter Visick's car that never yes. drifted before and only has drifted on a sim rig and he went out there and he was like killing it yeah Right. You know, you know, considering that he was his first event, he was killing it. So that shows you right there. Technology has been able to boost people's um, skill level. And instead of having to spend years and years and years just doing like five or six competitions a year and building up that experience slowly and and your first event spinning out all the time, maybe getting five runs. Remember some some of the events we used to do, you get five or six runs for the whole day. Right, I think one event I did, I got like seven runs, yeah, and that was that bad. was a whole day. Right, yeah. exactly. So, the the drift scene has changed, and with the development of the sim rig, um, and, with, and that also comes with the increasing popularity of drifting as well. So, I think drifting now has evolved to the point where somebody, if they have the funds or if they want it bad enough, can get 
their feet wet with a sim rig for a pretty affordable price, go to a handful of drift events, and if they have the funds already, whether it be mommy or daddy or whether it be whatever it is, right, whether they take out a loan, they can build that vehicle and they can be um, competitive much quicker than they used to be uh, 15, 10, 15 years ago. So are you trying to argue or say that because if somebody if we've comes into it with, let's say, five years of sim drifting experience. Well, so it then, doesn't even take that long. It could be six months well, of sim well, drift. The, I'm just throwing it out mm-hmm. there because I mean, for all we know, they are 13 years old. Right. They start uh, sim drifting mm-hmm. and they can't get their license until like they're 18 mm-hmm. or whatever. That, this is just a scenario. So if they have five years of sim drifting experience, they're going into it. They, so then it's possible you could probably make the argument that they don't necessarily need to have a crazy, uh, crazy build just to try to, because they could probably try to compensate for it with uh, the skill that they already have built up. So I'm actually, I'm thinking the other way around. Hmm. I'm thinking they can just go straight to a crazy build. Oh, Why okay. waste your time with a, and, 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 and I teach very often, get yourself a low, horsepower, a low horsepower car, right? And learn the basics with little. And then when you go to a more horse, you know, more horsepower, a better built vehicle or, or a, a really good build, it's going to make you a better driver. But I'm not seeing that. What I'm seeing is people come off the sim rig and get into sick like builds and kill it. So like, yes, do I do I think that's that's a, a proper way to learn? I, I do agree. I do think that is a proper way to learn. But if you look at the results of that, I think. More often than not, you see people that have got their feet wet on a sim rig, not buying a you know a 110 horsepower 240 ka and doing events, you know, going from the sim rig and maybe to a 350z for maybe like uh, you know a year or, or, or six months or whatever it is, and then dropping an LS in it with like five six hundred horsepower and throwing all the angle kits on there. Now angle kit is like standard practice. It used to be just you know, drop it and weld the diff and go. Now it's like, well, drop it, weld the diff, get suspension and an angle kit and then go. Right. So basically back to my point of what you were saying is that the, I think the sim rig, if it's utilized and at least from what I've seen, these young drivers, I see more young drivers now than ever. Right. I mean, at a higher level. Right. So we see like people like Connor O'Sully, um, or, um, Billy Mitchell or um, uh, Jaden Martirana, like all these younger drivers, they just come out like out of nowhere and they're just like pros. I think the sim rig has a lot to do with that. Maybe they're not driving on sim rigs, but, you know, I don't know. What do you think? Okay, but then let me give you this conundrum. Let's say you are, let's say you have, you're a driver that has the five years of sim drifting skill. You can rip it. Mm -hmm. It, It's, it's. Let's just say that's established that you can handle a 1,000 horsepower car on a sim or no, 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 oh, on in okay. IRL in real life. Okay, like if somebody were to give you like Peter Visick's car, okay, and you could just rip it. So then, but you don't have the means, the financial means to be able to acquire or have your own 1,000 horsepower build. Mm-hmm. So then, what do you do? Do you then make the but well, some people may say the financial mistake of trying to create your own 1,000 horsepower build, mm. or 
do you go where um, you or do you build up to it? Say like you instead build like a three hundred horsepower car, oh, so you and then you build so, up okay. to get something. So, so I'm I'm at the level where I can kill it in Peter's car, right? But I don't have the funds. So do I just start out with a three hundred horsepower car? It depends because that's that's what you can afford. But is that? But what I'm saying then it goes back to how bad do you want it? What is your goal? Okay. Okay. Yeah, so if my goal is to just go, you know, do hood rat crap with my friends, <laughs> right? <laughs> if that's my goal, right. then I just get the three, you know, the five thousand dollar three fifty Z, and I throw some coils, all the coilovers on an angle kit, and I missile it. You know what I'm saying? And I just go out and have fun. If my goal is to be pro, then I know I have the skill level to be able to handle that vehicle. Why would I not go for that? It almost doesn't make sense. It almost like if, if why would I slow my path down if I had the skill and the ability to be competitive with a pro car? Why not just get the pro car and go be competitive? We saw that with Connor O'Sully. Right, right. He was right out the bat, like competitive on his first event. He was qualifying. He, you know, what I'm saying he was battling. Well, I then because you don't have the financial means to be able to build the car. Oh. So whatever. What let, let, let's ask Paul. Paul, what do you think? <laughs> okay, take the camera off, Paul. Okay. <laughs> no but, but uh, it's just having like for instance the financial means of the know-how in order to be able to get the that build it, it's sort of like you you see instances where you 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 know i'm sure you've come across this where you know the the there's drivers that are talented mm -hmm. they're talented at driving yes but they're not talented at other things like for instance uh, financially, they're not talented. Building a program, and, or building a program, or communicating, uh, knowing knowing how to <laughs> communicating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or knowing what a, a APR is, knowing um, or having a good credit score in order to acquire a good loan Controlling with a good rate to be able to. <laughs> <laughs> You're just, just at it. Yeah, I'm just thinking of some people I know. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, absolutely right. So there is obviously more involved in it, having yeah. to finding a good team, right? But a lot of times. These drivers that have that skill um, and have the ability to build that pro car and be competitive, uh, I think a lot of their decision to establish the goal of going pro and being that competitive at that level has to do with, okay, I have the people around me. I, I can, you know, my, my, my dad likes racing. I know he'll be like my crew chief. And I got a lot of good friends that just want to support me, and and we're gonna, we're going to go ahead and go on this venture. I don't think many people go into it like I don't know anybody, I have nothing, I have nobody else, and I'm going to go, I'm going to build a pro car all by myself. It doesn't typically work out like that. Usually, there is a um, uh, what do they call it? It's not foundation, but um, there's support. Right? Mm -hmm. There's some type of support, whether it be family or friends, or Maybe it's another driver, right? Like Adam LZ, he got a lot of support from a lot of other drivers, like Von Gitten, right? Oh, Took under his, ring, under his wing and stuff as far as that's concerned. So it may be another driver that takes a new driver under their wing, right? So I'm just saying I think the old way of buying a beater and doing events and getting seat time, although I still feel that's the best way, I'm just saying that the the facts and the evidence is kind of pointing the other, pointing the other way. That you can, if you want to get into drifting, get your feet wet on a sim rig, 
then maybe buy something that you can go out and do a couple events on. And then if you have the means and if you have the willpower and the, and the fortitude and, and, and the support to do so, build a pro vehicle and try to go pro or pro-am. There's so many events now that you can compete at for money. You have to travel. That um, it's, it's, it's a growing sport. It's evolving, definitely evolving. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if Webb, did Webb send you? He sent me uh, information on um, the uh, Emerald Coast Dragway. So it was um, Emerald Coast Dragway was sold on July 14th, 2023. The transaction shows that Insurance Auto Auctions Corp purchased the property and uh, rumor it was sold for $4.7 million. Wow. Now, I don't know what their plans are. It could just be a lot. I don't doesn't really I don't think it really talks too much about what their their uh, plans are for that facility, but it doesn't sound like they're going to be doing events there. But you never know. So well, not the not the kind of events that we would uh, attend. Most likely not. Yeah, I mean, unless you're looking to purchase some sort of uh, who knows a, a beater or something. Who knows? Who knows? Um. One final thing, and obviously some people that were tuned in, they saw kind of like a quick preview of it. Uh, Tim, you brought this up. Mm-hmm. And what is this about? Uh, blimey, we've completely forgotten about the hydrogen-powered V12 BMW H2R. Okay, so... What's this about, Tim? So we talk about everyone, so well, you know, everyone's so we talk about the whole uh, future of autos and, and, and perf- well, performance and engines and the whole uh, global warming and, and green thing that we talk about every once in a while. <laughs> and uh, a lot of times we t- we discussed our personal experiences with the electric vehicle. Plus, you shared with me an ad where uh, Tesla was actually... But, you know, the, the, the auto industry does that already, right? They, they talk, they, they brag about the mileage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah, this car gets 30 miles per gallon with the wind downhill, right? You know, and, you know, letting off the throttle. In reality, you don't ever see that. So now Tesla owners are feeling that right because they're like oh you know but i think the difference here is that one thing i'll tell you when i'm in my truck and it tells me i have 200 miles range it's almost dead on oh okay. almost every time like and i and i've tested a couple times where i'm like i got 40 miles left before you know it, it just says you know you see know, ya. Un- yeah see ya <laughs> and, I, and almost down to the mile like I, i'll be able to get to get to the station get gas but anyhow tesla released that information or they're suing tesla because their projected mileage in the vehicle is almost double what it actually is. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, I got 192 miles, but in reality, they're only getting 87 or something, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so that being said, you know, electric vehicles suck. <laughs> hybrid is the way to go. If you're going to do it, do a hybrid because mm-hmm. you have the best of both worlds. You know, yeah, right? yeah. you drive a Prius. And uh, this is now probably not feasible yet, but it maybe is a way of the future. So I don't know if they can see it now. Yeah, they can see it. Oh, okay. So maybe scroll up a little bit because it's kind of half the car. Now, this is this is apparently something that's been in production for a while or has been out there for a while, and they've been working on it. But now, oh, I don't know if there's a video. If they show you a video, the, the one I, really, I should have sent you is the way this thing sounds. Now, this is a hydrogen-powered vehicle. From here, it looks like a Z4. Pretty much. It's pretty much a repurposed vehicle. And, and they say, oh, it doesn't weigh that much, but it actually does. It weighs like, it's like 3,400 pounds. Whoa. Yeah, for that little thing. It's now it is a pretty hefty. Wow. Look at that rear. Yeah, it's not the prettiest thing. Oh, boy. But 
it is a hydrogen powered race car. Now they use uh, now it doesn't make much horsepower and it's a V12. So they got they got I some know. yeah, they got some uh work to do there. It's a 6.0 V12 and they said I think it was the same engine that was in the um 760i. Yes. Um but the thing sounds insane. I don't know if they did they have a video on here. Oh no, they don't. Oh man, I probably should have sent sent one to you. Ah, no worries, it's okay. But um, anyhow, what point, noises? I don't know. Right. <laughs> point point being, people are they are working on other things now. Hydrogen. Um, I think the thing with this is that it's obviously storing the hydrogen in vehicle, um, and then you'd have to go to hydrogen fill stations. I still think, um, there's other ways to utilize hydrogen. I'm not. Paul would probably be better one to have, you know, he would have been better to have chime in on this. Well, he's right here. What are oh, you wait, talking wait, about? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, take the camera off of me real yeah. quick. Take it on you. Oh, yeah. The, hang on. We're going to set that up. But yeah. Paul has to come into frame. Okay. Now, Paul, Paul's here. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Paul, for your insight. Yeah. Um, But hey, it's at least people are pursuing an avenue, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I just don't think electricity. Ele- one, uh, electricity is not. If if you're really trying to save the environment, electric vehicles is not the way to go. Fully electric. Fully electric is not the way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, you got all this, the, the kids mining yeah. slaves and <laughs> yes, stuff. Yes, Built yes. on that. So it's a new blood diamond. We don't. <laughs> we don't need to go into details, please. But anyhow, um, don't want to go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, uh, I think. There's other methods out methods out there. I think there have been other methods of engines out there that have been bought out by big oil and stuff. So we'll we'll see, um, we'll see what happens. But I thought this was pretty interesting. But this thing, if you get a chance, go ahead. It's the it's a BMW H2R concept, and the thing sounds like a beast. Hmm. Be sure to check that out. Uh, one last question before we wrap up, mm-hmm. and and it's in regards to this. And this is something that I've been asking myself for kind of years now at this point mm-hmm. is that when are we going to, when is, well, actually I'll take it back because it's already happened, Uh-oh. but it needs to be reintroduced. Okay. And the the question is, is uh, when is a competitive, ah, shoot. It's like, when are we going to see in, in competitive form of drifting, when are we going to see uh, electrification? And, of course, you saw with the Camaro, but that was sort of, it just felt like a one-off, like a, a testing ground that was sort of not meant to be a, uh, a permanent uh, thing. Yeah. And it really floundered uh, when we saw it all out at the Formula Drift. But what I definitely could foresee happening is that with some uh, some of these cars that are on the road today, they'll do they utilize like an electric motor to enhance the power output of the vehicle. So now, obviously, we're seeing, I guess, to the point where like it's reliably uh, achieving one thousand horsepower on some of these drift cars. Mm-hmm. But then, what if they could just add another five hundred or two hundred with an electric motor onto it? Mm-hmm. So then, kind of similar to when, Paul's truck, right? His Dodge adds torque because yes. it has electric motor. Yeah, yeah. So then I think the question is, is when are we going to start seeing that form of electrification into these pro vehicles? Right. So instead of adding a supercharger or turbocharger, mm-hmm. right, you add an electric motor or some form of electric electrification in order to boost that level of performance. That's interesting. 
Yeah, and at least it'll make some sound. I actually got a sound clip of this. Can I play it? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, so this Just is that BMW. Mic. Yeah, I will. This is the BMW. Okay. Thing would help you view. Well, this, uh, now you got somebody talking. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna go in a second here. Yeah. But I mean, this thing sounds—it just sounds amazing. And I'm sorry, it's just kind of awkward. I should have prepared this. But yeah. hello, yeah. Not bad, right? Yeah, definitely not bad. Now I gotta have to check it out afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it doesn't have much horsepower. But anyways. We are going to see because, uh, of course, all motorsports are going to have to sooner or later conform to whatever the standard is, right? Yeah, you're seeing it uh, in Formula One already. They have electrification, Formula, yeah. and eventually they're actually going to get, um, uh, how can I say this, um, fuel, like uh, some type of synthetic fuel where it's more uh, eco-friendly, I guess you can say. So I think it's just a simple matter of like if you're seeing it in these crazy leagues, when is it going to trickle down to mm-hmm. all these other forms of motorsport? And in particular, with our case, mm-hmm. uh, Formula Drift, Drift Masters, D1, when are you going to start seeing some of those things that take take place? Who knows? Maybe what next five years? Maybe you think? Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows? We'll see. Well, on that note, I uh, want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in. Uh, this was uh, the episode before the nicest episode we're going to have. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm stoked for a wonderfully nice episode that's got to be uh, coming up in the wings. Soon enough, we have a guest lined up. Well, we've got to work out the details, but mm-hmm. can't wait. I'm excited. Are we going on? So have you just, are, we doing a, are we having a guest or are we going on a, a field trip? I would, I'm going to, conf- I still have to confirm, but I, I would assume figure it, we're going to be on a field trip. Okay. All right. So it's going to be nice throughout. All right. Sounds good. Yes, indeed. All right, folks. Uh, thank you for tuning in and we hope to catch you next time. Take care and good night.